I've got a Beatles podcast, and uh, did you enjoy that guitar sound on that particular lovely recording of Besame Mucho? Yeah, that, I, I was going to say that's a pretty weak Beatles cover band there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should turn those guitars up and you know, really rock it out. And yeah. Get somebody who sounds more like uh, the Beatles to sing. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> we're pretty excited today. This is. Uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of our episodes are reviews and kind of keeping you up to date with what's happening in Beatle world or anniversaries in the Beatle world. But you know, every once in a while, it's it's interesting to go way back in time and take a famous group or take a famous actor or take a famous artist or something, look back and see. Well, how did they get to be who they are now? And so that's that's the point of our. Uh, podcast today is how did the Beatles become the Beatles and in this particular case looking at what they were doing on January 1st New Year's Day 1962 when they went into the DECA recording studio and recorded 15 songs for their audition. Tell me Dave uh, more about DECA. Well DECA was a big record label and actually still is a big record label and there, this whole thing came about when uh, Brian Epstein, who owned NEMS, which was one of the biggest record stores in northern England, uh, asked this guy, Mike Smith, that's a good name, Mike Smith, who was the DECA A&R man, kind of the guy responsible for signing talent, he said, hey, come come see these this group I, I have here, the Beatles, they're playing at the Cavern. And so Mike Smith realized, well, look, I need to make some money, I can't alienate you know, Nems and Brian Epstein because that's a huge amount of money for my artists. So uh, he, he went up to the cavern in December of 1961, saw the Beatles, which of course had Pete Best at the time, and was very impressed and thought, you know, they were, as, as everybody seems to be, or everybody was when they heard the Beatles live, they all were excited by the energy and all the stuff that was happening. And so at that point, Brian Epstein said, hey, we're looking for a recording contract. Would you guys at DECA be interested? So they arranged this audition. And on January 1st, uh, 1962, the Beatles went up to North London and uh, did this session. Now, I have a theory I'd like to propose. Okay. (laughs) January 1st comes right after what? Well, uh, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. So, <laughs> New Year's Eve. Almost everybody and their mom stays up all night. Mm-hmm. You know, drinks a lot of champagne and other <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I'm wondering if a the particularly the audio engineers of this little <laughs> session might have been a bit hugover. <laughs> Certainly, a couple members of the Beatles, maybe. Uh, the wildest of those four, four Beatles, if you can think of who they were, um, yeah. might have uh, been a little rough, <laughs> uh, and that might have played a part. Now, that's just this is just theory. This is, uh, there's no, there's nothing in the books or in any books that said uh, you know they didn't get a full night's sleep and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But. Well, I I think that'd be a very good theory and. Makes a lot of sense. I, doing the research for this uh, episode today, I read that in England, the United Kingdom at this time, New Year's Day was not a holiday. So people were actually working on the first of the year. And so 
it was just another day and the Beatles were actually playing gigs the previous nights of course and we're uh-huh. staying up late so uh I, I, it's kind of hard to believe but that i'm sure they were pretty wiped out and having to travel to get there they arrived in london about 11 o'clock in the morning on the that day probably really dragging and and guess what what else happened too they could not use their own amps and their yeah. equipment because it was so beaten up from all the traveling and all the gigs. So they had to use Decca's amps. So you're already in this cold studio. You don't know anybody. You're using someone else's equipment. And they were also really freaked out by this red light. So, you know, like <laughs> if, you go yeah. to a, if you go to a TV show or, you know, the applause light goes on and you have to applaud. And same thing in a studio when the red light goes on, you're on. And I guess they'd never experienced that before so they were kind of nervous just sitting in the studio with this red light you and i both weren't in bands before and have had some recording uh, experiences and i i had this i was in a band called nothing i had written a song called you and one of the bandmates of mine said hey i know this guy and he's got a bunch of recording equipment Let's go to his place and we'll record it. And it was one of my first experiences recording, just like the Beatles were having one of their first experiences recording in this session. And a lot of the things about recording just really threw me off. I was like, this isn't this isn't how I play it live. You know, Mm -hmm. I I play it live like really loud. You know, I turn up the amps. Yeah. But it's like, no, we got to turn down the amps so that we get the, a clean sound and then we can add distortion to it. Um, and, and then me singing separately from playing was a, was a thing. And, and, you know, uh, and I just, uh, abhor how that, how that tape turned out. It was just, hideous mm-hmm. like not, not good at all doesn't sound good almost immediately went in the in the uh file it way back in the closet pile you yeah. know so so uh uh i think probably the beatles listening back to uh these deca tapes in in many instances now there's a couple gems in here but um in many instances they're like whoa we're way out of tune we're off or uh, I think that the biggest thing for me is how weak and uh, quiet the guitar sounds are. Yeah, it, no, yeah, and I'll, I want to second all of what you just said. I've, I have a lot of experience recording in studios, and it is nerve-wracking because it feels very artificial. And even though you know that you can actually keep re-recording and do multiple takes, I always felt like this had to be the one, and I couldn't make a mistake. And it's obviously a lot quicker if you do may have a good take but it yeah it feels very there's a lot of pressure it seems especially when you're not the beatles and you don't have 24 hours in the studio to just goof around and record anything you want uh, so it does takes take a lot of acclimation and you i can see where people have said groups have to learn how to play the studio and that yeah you know that really rings true here on this particular recording they'd been in the studio before with mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Sheridan and my body. Yeah. <laughs> but they were not the lead guys there and weren't weren't doing most of the singing. So this was their first shot here and the 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 source I was using said that they only had an hour, really just an hour, hour and fifteen minutes to do fifteen tunes. So they, it was just basically bam, 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 one one after another. And it does have a very thin thin kind of ghost-like sound even this too makes me think about how much they still had to learn and how essential that george martin was in being able to communicate to them quickly when they finally did get a record deal how to play how to how to, sure. how to record and and look at how bad they are in this compared to you know how great they would be by the end of their uh recording to career together oh yeah even just a year or two later it's really just tremendous the amount of improvement and that that's that's the question i think that we want to pose to you the audience and to each other in our discussion of some of the songs that we're going to hear 
is if you were Mike Smith back then, would you have signed the Beatles? Now we all know what happened is he didn't. And we'll end the episode with the great quote from Mike Smith, or at least from Decca, which is one of the <laughs> best quotes ever. Uh, but of course they didn't sign him and they were signed, as you said, with George Martin. So uh, I'm curious after we listen to this and we're going to hear songs that, you know, that, have, that made it on later Beatle albums, a couple of originals, couple of songs they never played again you know really kind of a wide variety of tunes uh, and I'll be interested to hear as we go through each one here the strengths and weaknesses and I think there's a very clear well we'll probably want to talk about each Beatle and at the time so there's no Ringo here so Pete but each Beatle and kind of how they their role and how they stand out or some of their issues Okay, so let's let's start with how the uh, now now we don't really know historically uh, what order these were genuinely recorded in. There's a speculation, so we're gonna kind of go by if you look at if you look at Wikipedia, they're 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 basically saying this is the order of the songs, but we don't <laughs> we don't know this for for certain, uh, particularly if you read the Lewis and. There's basically no way to know at this point. There's mm-hmm. the, the the whatever document was that had that order is long destroyed. So um, we're going to start with Like Dreamers Do, and we'll play little snippets of most of these, maybe play a little bit longer on a couple of the ones we want to talk about. So here's a little bit of Like Dreamers Do. I, I saw a girl in my dream. So it seems that I will love her, oh you, you are that girl in my dreams, and so it seems that I will love you, and I waited for your kiss, waited for the bliss, like dreams. Okay. All right. So, like dreamers do, that's and that's a Lennon McCartney song. Yeah, that was actually one of the three originals that they did for this session, and it was I think it was released. It was released on the Beatles anthology one. So you may have heard that before. Uh, Paul, well, this is going to be a recurring theme. But what, uh, what do you think of Paul's voice? Paul's singing on this one. Well, I I think I. And most disturbed by the f- the fact that the first time you hear a chord out of the guitar, it's out of tune. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I would have stopped it right there and been like, "Okay, tune up your guitars. This is the first <laughs> track. Let's go. Get it together, fellas." Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so that that that's what I'm most. And uh, uh, but Paul's. You know, I think this is not an objectionable song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Paul sounds a little weak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think of Paul's vocals on this? Well, something that I'm going to keep bringing up here is that he he sounds very... He doesn't sound like Paul McCartney. He sounds like he's this guy trying to imitate other influences like Elvis Presley or or Little Richard or all these other characters so it doesn't of any of the singing Beatles on this these 15 songs I feel like he's the one who has the least uh he he doesn't know who he is yet in terms of his identity and so he's kind of yelling and ay 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 and all this stuff I don't know you know that that's interesting you say that because I I I think that that's what you just said is true and uh, that he has the least identity but I think he does a better job does the second best job of the three of them ah. and i think the t- terrible job in this all around is john <laughs> i think john's awful in this session and we'll, we'll i'll say why after we hear a little bit of money that's what, I want. here we go 
Uh, it's wow. it's particularly when he's singing "Money." That's what I want. Does that sound like him at all? No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. sounds like him trying to do a guy who's you know, see, like trying to do some other person or something it just doesn't it sounds like he knows who he is and he was just way way off that day to me yeah like or very or extremely nervous or something yeah yeah and i i i feel like he uh, uh from some of the things i've read he like they they felt like the first one didn't go well and and that kind of fueled you know how it goes like yeah. oh this this show is not going well yeah, oh, it happens whatever and yeah. and it just built off of each other but I think he what he seems to me to be the most distracted and probably knowing John's personality, pissed off at everybody else is doing poorly. Uh-huh. So 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 he's not doing well because he's thinking about those kind of things. I, I feel like that is very evident there. And yeah. ugh, the guitar sounds the guitar, are just, well. Guitar playing at the beginning, that introduction is really sloppy. Plus, it's very fast. It's much faster than the. And when they would actually do it on uh, with the Beatles, it's much this that version has a lot more, a much better feel. This one just feels real hopped up and do 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 do. Why do you think that is? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like it, maybe it's nerves again, just being nervous, and I don't know the red light. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe poor drumming. Too. Maybe, well, that, that we're gonna get to that in a second here, but. All right. uh, definitely that yeah money is it pales in comparison to the uh, we you and I would probably agree that's one of the best beetle covers certainly of the early years oh yeah that they ever did and John just sounds amazing on the with the Beatles version so this yeah. version compared to that play them yeah. back to back find yeah. both of them and play them back to back and see what you think definitely. listener because it's it's a real it's real junk <laughs> <laughs> speaking of junk the next yeah. song is also was also on with the Beatles. And I always, when we're doing this too, I always have these images of these people who listen to our podcast and and think that we hate the Beatles. Uh, you know, <laughs> in our minds. we've gotten that but, that comment before, and it's it's insane. We yeah. love the Beatles. We can't get enough of it. We listen all day, all night long. We're just honest yeah. about the things that work and don't work, and this is not working. No, so so here's a little. Um, uh, you were about to say. I was going to say. Speaking of not working. <laughs> this next song is a very famous cover that they performed a lot. They performed it for the Queen, in fact. And it's one of the great songs that, their, that Paul was known for in his early years. But it, uh, ugh, I don't know. Well, well, we'll listen to a bit of it. We have to get to the guitar solo on this one. Uh, this okay. is, or I should say guitar solo number one on Till There Was You. <laughs> But I never heard ringing No, I never heard them at all Till there was you There were birds in the sky But I never saw them ringing No, I never saw them at all Till there was you Then there was music They'd send me in sweet fragrant meadows of dawn and you There was love all around, but I never heard it singing No, I never heard it at all, till there was you That's perfect take. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little whoopsie doodle on the uh, guitar solo. Yeah, there. maybe that's why they did it a second time. So that they they played the Paul sang the chorus or the bridge again, and then they did another guitar solo it, to see, prove they could do a guitar solo. Yeah, yeah. I think of of well a few problems with this one. Paul again singing. It's he's it's almost too pretty. He's trying to make it too pretty and delicate. Yeah, dainty. Uh, yeah, dainty, right. So it 
comes off really weird sounding. And then you had a great, great comment about the drumming on this one. What's it sound like Pete's doing? It just sounds like he's hitting one cymbal over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and and without steady rhythm. Right, without a <laughs> Yeah. I feel like we're doing part two of our Ringo episode. I know. Here, which is like <laughs> That's true. Showing all the reasons why Ringo yeah. was a better drummer. Yeah. Uh, so, so this one right now, right now, uh, uh, it, it, Mike Smith comes into the studio now. He's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> um, hey, fellas, um, go, go, it's going, it's going, uh, okay. Um, but I feel like, uh, I feel a little bit of lack of fun. You know, maybe you could have a little more fun with this. Uh, so play us a, tell you what, fellas, play us a track. <laughs> Plays a track that's a lot of fun. How about that? How about that? And uh, the <laughs> the Beatles are like, uh, okay, yeah, well, yeah, we've got quite the, just just the tune for you. And then they play this song. Alright, fellas, alright, fellas. Oh forget what I said about having fun. <laughs> uh, um, just go just go back to doing what you would do. Uh yeah. yeah what do you I, think of Sheikh Army? Now I, uh, George is singing on this. Yeah, yeah. This. And I think George showed up. Yeah, I feel uh, like he showed up and he was he was giving it his his good stuff. At least in the vocal department, yeah. Yeah. And this is not horribly <laughs> objectionable to hear, but this goofiness <laughs> first off song choice yeah is ridiculous the the not, not half <laughs> garbage is uh-huh. ridiculous i guess i guess that uh played really well on stage you know yeah probably i could see that being better live yeah john john being real like yeah ham- sassy hammy and sassy right uh, I, so I could see why they, why they, you know, that there's that and three cool cats is, you yeah. know, another good example that coming up right uh, of that kind of thing. But yeah, that, that it's interesting that George sings a bunch of these, which, you know, of course, you know, when, when the Beatles were actually really recording, he was relegated to one or two songs. So interesting that he had at least, I think four is what I counted here, four or five, uh, lead vocals on this track on this, uh, session uh yeah one of these novelty songs here the sheik of araby uh, with the the quasi arab uh, arabic type music sound there at the beginning with the that kind of uh you know reference there but well, yeah but at least at least it's got a little bit of energy to it i give it that well it makes me uh think had they passed the audition that the Beatles might have turned into a goofy uh, a novelty recording group led by the lead, lead singing of uh, George Harrison. You know that what a different what a different yeah. tack this could have taken had this audition gone over well. So yeah, thank goodness it didn't. I mean, not that that would have been horrifyingly bad, but but. It would have robbed us of what we eventually got oh, with the Beatles. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, well, we're gonna hear another one from George a little bit later. Another like you already, you already mentioned it, but yeah, in the same kind of vein with the Three Cool Cats. But the next track up is a song that uh, was pretty famous by Phil Spector. And yeah, very ironically. Ironically, <laughs> that yeah, they, they would be working together in just a few short years later, uh, yeah. and have all sorts of interesting relationships with phil but the the phil specter song sung by john who would also record this later yeah. to know her is to love her to know 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 her is to love 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 her. 
just to see a smile Makes my life worthwhile It's just to know, know, know her Just to love, love, love her And I do, and I do, and I do I'll be good to her I'll make love to her There'll come a day when I'll walk alongside of her Yes, just to know, know, know her Just to love, love, love her And I do, and I do, and I 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 Well, once again, it barely sounds like John singing yeah, really listless, too. like really, like like for for as much as he was complaining that uh, uh, Paul was being too pretty, he he was just like really underselling that one. Yeah, you know? yeah, very much so. And once again, Pete not helping matters at all with a pretty dragging beat uh, on the second verse there. So not not particularly impressive on that one. So the next one here, it's a uh, Carol King. Carol King, <laughs> yeah, Carol King and, and uh, her partner uh, Goffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, take good care of my baby. My tears are falling because you've taken her away, and though it really hurts me so, there's something that I gotta say. Take good care of my baby. Don't ever make her blue Just tell her that you love her Make sure you're thinking of her In everything you say and do Once again, we got a, a George vocal that, <laughs> you know, he's he, he showed up. Yeah, he's he's yeah. there. He's singing really well. Uh the the sort of turn they're doing is kind of weak. This da 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 da, <laughs> and becomes extremely repetitive about minute two yeah. and a half. <laughs> um, but not 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 the worst. No, this is. I think this is one of the better songs on here. I think it actually has a bit of energy, and and they the vocals sound pretty good in the background. And uh, George, yeah, like you said, uh, George was the surprise of this one. His. I think I, I've always voted George the most improved Beatle in terms of guitar playing, and he's definitely weak for the most part in this album. But uh, but his singing was surprisingly strong, and he actually sells the song pretty well. So yeah, uh, I, yeah. Now that one, there's no official release of that one, so no. it'd, it'd be interesting to see if these show up at some point on some sort of. Uh, Beatles anthology four or something. Yeah. If we get if we get some some more of this kind of stuff, yeah. um, or okay. early takes, earlier early takes. takes. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, the only five of the songs were released legitimately on the anthology, the first one. So uh, yeah, there's but there's obviously a lot more, including the next one, which they did a bunch more times, and you can hear versions on the the BBC collection. And I'm curious if you think John sells this one any better in his version of Chuck Berry's Memphis, Tennessee. Long distance information, give me Memphis, Tennessee. Try to find the party, trying to get in touch with me. Well, how's he sound? Um, okay, okay. I just, I, I personally, I've always thought that song was about as boring as any song <laughs> in the world. Yeah. It just kind of rambles like do 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 you know it's it, it's pretty uh pretty dull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of Chuck Berry's best, although it's very famous, but he yeah. had, certainly had better songs. 
Well, and it's supposed to be a, you know, anything from Chuck Berry. I don't know if they realize this, but it's supposed to be a real showcase for the guitar. That's right. That's and right. Uh, there's too many, too many words. In that. Yeah, that's true. So there's there's John back at the the front there. Next up is another one, a song by one of their early influences and especially one of George's big heroes, Carl Perkins. This one is a, a Paul and John singing duo here on Sure to Fall. And then it has a good parenthetical title for you, Chris. Oh, yeah, I love them. <laughs> In Love With You, right? Yeah. Here we go. You know, maybe Paul did die and was replaced by somebody. Cause I, I, I don't know what that was towards the end of that clip there, but uh, who is that guy? I know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they would have been better served to do more of this, where it was the group singing together. Yeah. Uh, in this audition, I think that was a that was like maybe a really bad, you know, <clears throat> considering where, where where they were a year later, where. Most of their songs were, you know, from me to you and stuff like that, where it's uh, the whole group singing and uh, together being the, a big element of it, uh, yeah. the group. But they do it kind of poorly here. <laughs> yeah, part of it's Paul doesn't, again, it has a very odd voice on this one. And to me, this is, I mentioned earlier Pete's drumming. I don't mean to pick on Pete too much, but it's just very I, I the way i describe his drumming is very monotonous and very awkward and about every four bars you get a this fill the same kind of fill that happens in just about every song and it's very awkwardly placed so you can't really i don't know you lose your feel of the songs and it's very monotonous sound so he doesn't switch it up ringo as we said last uh podcast Ringo was really good at getting different colors out of his drum set, changing from hi hat to the ride cymbal, and and you know making making use of it all. Whereas Pete's very monotonous in his playing, and that song really stands out in a poor way to me. The other the other problem with this session is there's not too many uh, originals. They hadn't written that many either. That's they hadn't written that many at this point. Um, Really, the Beatles in this thing is like a casserole that's not ready to be eaten, you know? Um, and and I think this is a very good example of that, which is an early uh, Lennon-McCartney song that uh, is maybe not the best, most intelligent lyrics ever written. Let's hear it. It's called Hello, Little Girl. Hello, little girl. Hello, little What's your take on Hello Little Girl? Babe? I actually really like it. I think it's cute. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I like it. It's very catchy and innocent sounding and and has some of the elements that you would see in, in songs that were more realized just a little bit later with the background vocals and uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it's cute. I like Hello Little Girl. I think this John usually acknowledged this as one of his first songs, if not the first song that he wrote of anything serious so for that it's historically interesting and 
Yeah, serious. I think it's a good song that you write to get to the better song. That's theme. right. Yes. You know? Yes. So it's not it's not the best song in the world, but you know, it's good that they wrote it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it's certainly a lot better than the songwriting in the next song. <laughs> which, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, well, I'm sorry. This is probably is this your favorite of the whole session the next one all, here? All time. Let's let's find out. Okay. Let's find out. <laughs> I'll, I need to give it one more good listen. Three well, cool cats. Yeah, George again is—he's giving it his all. Well, uh, yeah, uh, w- I was again really distracted by Pete's that same fill just about every measure on this one. That just just goes nowhere and really awkward. But I don't know. What's your thought on the the vocal wizardry in Three Cool Cats? Well, at least this shows the person, the fun personality of the group a, a little better. I mean, it's obviously a dumb song, <laughs> but it shows it shows accurately kind of like, particularly in the kind of silly section where it's like, I want that little chick. Mm-hmm. You say one chick for me, and then and then you get a little, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, a little, a little of that action. So it's a little, uh, a little glimpse of how I'm sure they were successful and really fun at whipping the audience up uh, in the cavern. Sure. At the time, but um, you know, it's a, it's a silly song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, it certainly sounds better than a lot of this stuff. Well, in that's this true. That's session. true. So, including, I don't know how you feel about this one. But here's a little bit of the next tune, uh, a Buddy Holly song, uh, Crying, Waiting, Hoping. Crying, crying, waiting, waiting, hoping, hoping you come back. I just can't seem to get you off my mind. Uh-huh. Crying, crying. Waiting, waiting, hoping, hoping you come back. You're the one I love. I think about you all the time. Cry, cry, do, do, do. The tears keep on falling all night long. Um, I I read something. I believe it was in the Lewison book, and it was somebody uh, uh, really defending the Beatles not passing this audition. And the thing that they were saying is Pete best is not good enough. And the fact that he's not good in that one fourth of your band is not good enough is enough to not pass you through. Mm -hmm. And, and this is another good example of it's that same fill every single fill. And it's too bad because again, George sing a lot of George here. George sings this one very well. I'm a huge Buddy Holly fan, so I'm a sucker for anything Buddy Holly and the Beatles covering Buddy Holly's great. They did this one also on the the BBC set, much better with Ringo. But yeah, it, yeah, it's I think it's not bad. But it's like you said, if think about all the great groups in history, one guy can ruin the whole thing or really send the group on a bad bad path if even just thinking in like a famous group that's established and you've got one guy who's really into drugs or is just not into it 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 throws everybody off and this is a fundamental problem when you're 
drummer can't keep steady time and is a very monotonous player. So, uh, yeah, it's it's too bad. But I, I think that one works pretty well. The rest of it, the instruments and everybody else sounds good. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying there. Um, except except the, the, only, the only other difference you'd hear between this and, and the version on BBC uh, is uh, the guitars would sound really good. Well, much better. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Instead of this weak sort of tick, 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 Very tick. tinny, yeah. I'm like, change that guitar sound. It's just really weak and, and yeah. sad. Um, this next one, it's another Lennon McCartney. Now, this one's really intriguing. Um, so let's hear a little snippet of it. We'll talk about it, and then maybe we'll play it to close the episode because it's uh, it's uh, unreleased. Uh, this is another one. This is one of the big ones. I wonder if we're ever going to get a, a official complete release of this. Yeah. And it's Love of the Loved. Each time I look into your eyes, I see that there, there heaven lies. And as I look, I see the love of the love. Someday they'll see that from the start My place has been deep in your heart And in your heart I see love with love Though I've said it all before I, I, That's one of the big, the best, most successful ones for me on this session. Uh, yeah. It, it, the, I like the guitar line, the pretty interesting little melodic line that keeps going through the song and the chord progression is very unusual very uh, doesn't go where you expect it to uh paul's singing is a little better although he seems maybe he's not used to singing in in the studio how you sing in studio mics because he's really got hard consonants all the time look real hard k's yeah. and like he's the description i read someone said it's like he's chewing down on a cracker <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I I I I like too, but I think it I think it shows that they weren't quite all of this shows this, but but <laughs> they weren't quite sure what type of rock band they were were yet. Mm-hmm. And this strikes me as songwriting that's a little bit well let's do another one that's sort of till there was you ish so so if they were going to become a pretty rock band that sang a lot of pretty songs this would fit right in there's a, a little bit of a you know it's not surprising to me it fell off of the map uh but uh, not not bad at all now yeah. now probably the one i uh, that comes up that i i like the most of this session is this next one, September in the Rain, which is a Warren and Dubin, <laughs> the famous Warren and Dubin. Yeah. Um, Diana Washington uh, made this one famous. Yeah. So uh, here we go. Here's a little September in the Rain. One, two, three, two, September in the rain. <laughs> you, yeah. Do you have any problems with that one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, well, the thing on that, I feel like the the, the performance is just going to fall apart at any moment here in terms of the tempo. It's just all over the place. Just uh, any moment, somebody's just going to drop their guitar, and it's you know, the drumsticks will fly out in the air, and it'll just all fall apart. It's we're just right on the edge of your seat there. It could be interesting. I. I don't know. Are you a fan of the song, or uh, I think I'm a fan of the song, but I'm also a fan of uh, just on this one. Yeah, 
I thought I think this is the best that Paul sounds in the in the yeah. session. Yeah, he's more um, of the Paul that we know, I think, on this one. Yeah, I yeah. think it sounds the most like what you might get at the cavern where like it's 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 got a lot of energy to it and yeah like uh, hippie hippie shake kind of paul going on that one yeah yeah exactly so that's that's what that's what i dig about it <laughs> the, the out of tune guitars don't bother me they don't <laughs> they're, they're out of tune yes but yes. They, in unlike the uh earlier tunes that uh didn't bother me as much in that one. Yeah, this one. Um, we lit. We heard Basame Mucho at the beginning. I really don't want to hear it again. No, we'll skip that. <laughs> um, what do you think of it though? What's the? I've never liked that song. I, I know they had. They seemed to enjoy playing it. They played it a lot. They even played it in the Let It Be sessions. You can see a fun version in the movie Let It Be. I. I it just doesn't do much for me. I don't really like it very much. I think this is the quintessential one to listen to the pete versus yeah. ringo i mean listen to pete on this and listen to ringo on this and and that'll tell you everything you need to ever know that's true that's about true. the difference between the two of them um and then uh they closed up these sessions with a libra and stoller song searching let's hear a little searching I think that one, if I played for nine people out of ten, they would not be able to tell me who was playing that. It sounds nothing like the Beatles. It's yeah. not, not anything like like their style, really. It's it's a very odd choice, very strange song for the Beatles to be playing, and they don't try to sound like themselves. No. It, again, it feels like Paul, again, doesn't really know who he is. He's doing a little Elvis towards the end. He's trying out different personas and uh, not very successfully to me it's a strange song and especially takes a little while to get going kind of uh, nothing happening for about the first 30 seconds and uh, except pete's fill once again going every yeah. every four measures you hear that again well so so mike smith comes back back and he's like fellas um okay we're done we'll we'll be in touch yeah, I think that's probably what it was like. That's about how it was. Probably it was probably very yeah. awkward. Very. Thank you for come for making the trip. We'll be uh, yeah, we'll yeah. be in touch, right? And as we know, they that Mike Smith or at least Decca was in touch with them, and uh, in February of 1962, so about a month later, Brian Upstein and the group got the news that they were not accepted by Decca, oh, and no. one of the great lines that's been. In, made infamous now is beat groups were on the way out yeah yeah well that turned out not to be very true since Decca did get a lot of famous groups after that they signed the second best british group of all time probably the rolling stones so they did okay but yeah uh, yeah the beat, beat groups were on the way out so would you have i guess i guess it raises the question here would you have signed the group if you were mike smith after hearing the songs we just did and why or why not i mean i think maybe i would have uh uh and like i said like i said earlier turned them into sort of a novel mm. <laughs> play the the things they did best in this audition were the novelty uh stuff sung by george so i, yeah. I think i would have been like hey these guys are good enough to do that but but then again, maybe I would have been, eh, the drummer's not very good and their guitar sounds aren't very good. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I feel like they're probably the engineering, uh, you know, <clears throat> caused the guitar, you know, uh, caused the guitar sounds to not sound as good as they usually would have. Mm -hmm. And also not knowing how to use, the, they probably just had a few minutes to use the amps and 
find settings and weren't really familiar with the the equipment either so that may have yeah. caused some problems too but i think i would have been thoroughly unimpressed with john <laughs> and pete in this yeah. in this particular audition and i would have been confused maybe enough by paul that it would be a pass hmm. but i think i would say you would definitely see some some hints of greatness from paul yeah and i would have definitely thought george is like george solid and sounds pretty good yeah you know had he not botched some of the, <laughs> some of the solos <laughs> then i then that maybe that puts it into my head you know uh, so i i kind of don't blame deca for passing i mean mm-hmm. can you they they're not ready no no that's the that's the question yeah i i remember when i taught my beatles class i gave them an assignment and we did it in class and the, the assignment was would you you had to play the role of mike smith and would you have signed the beatles and i taught the class i think six times every t- class it was split equally 50 50 as to would they have or would they have not have and the reason why and i would agree the reason why some people most people said they would sign them was based on the fact of their originals not great originals but there's something there at least there's a little more effort in their original songs and they do have somewhat of a distinctive sound in them and maybe some promise so it's it's kind of signing on a promise i think maybe i would have done this I think maybe I would have said, given them feedback and said in six months, come back to me uh, with yeah. more originals. I want to hear more of this. I want to hear more of this mm-hmm. and, and seen the difference and had they, had they gone and applied themselves and done very well at that, maybe at that point, giving them a shot. But I think these, I feel like executives anyway are reacting they're they're hearing they're reacting they're not visionaries mm-hmm. the visionaries are the musicians right so they're they're just getting the information they have they're not seeing something in somebody as much as you think they are yeah that's <laughs> you true. know they're looking is this going to sell me or make me a lot of money signing this group and are they going to be famous and do they have what it takes and yeah i could see why they wouldn't why yeah. people might think they didn't so you know, I yeah, I I don't I don't really super blame Decca for, I mean Decca gets a lot of heat, yeah, uh, in historically. But if you heard this and they, they're off, they 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 had a bad day that day. They were off. They were, I mean, all, all people said they were off. Yeah, John says it, it, you know it was a terrible day, and you know. <laughs> One yeah. song after the other built off of each other, and they they just couldn't get their legs under them that day. So, yeah. you know, yeah. what well, can you do? It's certainly interesting, and it's an important historical document because it's the first full session we have yeah. that's actually recorded with decent quality. And it also gives you makes you think two things. One, they made the right decision about changing drummers. And second... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and second it makes you even more amazed at just a year later this was january 1st 1962 just a year later what how much progress they'd made and yeah. were on the way to changing the world so what uh, w- would you have signed them i would have yeah based on that that uh, what i said about the originals cuz i but that's me i'm you know a musician so i would be looking at the the potential for songwriting to make them stand out, but I would say something like you said, you know, guys, figure out what you're, what are you? You're all over the map here. You're doing these ballads. You're doing novelty songs. You're doing originals. You're doing blues. You know, it's kind of yeah. like smattering and really unfocused. Well, I would yeah. think that maybe that was a strategy. Could except, be. Yeah. Except what I think it was is just the way that their set had developed on stage right and that they found that some of these goofier songs really played really well to the to the uh cavern audience with the mugging and the goofiness yeah of that's true and so i feel like three cool cats and that kind of that kind of uh nonsense yeah. <laughs> stayed stayed in their set so it was just in their set so that was just what they had to record at that time yeah 
um, you know, and that this looked pretty much like their set did at the time. Yeah, but true. but but you could also imagine it as well. It's a strategy. Let's show them we can do a bunch of different things. Yeah. But but like you said, in doing that, not realizing that's going to come off as these guys don't know what they are. Right. Yeah. So not doing any one of them particularly well. Yeah, is the problem. So. Well, it's pretty pretty interesting to go back and look at these and and try to divorce yourself from thinking about the Beatles as the most famous, amazing group in rock history, and then think back, hey, they were just twenty one year old guys, twenty two here, or yeah, you know, actually twenty one, twenty, nineteen, young guys, and trying to just on the verge here of making it big, and this was their probably their last flop in a way until Magical Mystery Tour. But like really, sort of their last rejection until yeah, you know, until they became big. So that's uh, pretty important for that. And you learn a lot from failure. I can you know, tell you that when we've played ga- awful gigs and you know we have bad experiences on stage, you learn a lot from that stuff. So we we really should celebrate the the Decca yes. audition, and, and it's a really uh, unique moment. We should not. I don't think we should give Decca a hard time no. <laughs> as much as we do. <laughs> no. The evidence is there that they should have passed, but uh, it's good that they did the audition, and it's good that they learned from it and got better. Definitely, so, and exciting for us that we have it to listen to today still, all these years later. Yeah. So, all right, well, we'll go out as uh, mentioned, unless you, you have a... Just, yeah, one more thing to say. Uh, we're very excited to uh, let you know that we're now on Stitcher, and that's... Uh, Oh, yeah. Yay. Thank you, Stitcher. Stitcher. Uh, I know a lot of people like to use that app for podcasts and episodes and things. So if you're a Stitcher fan, you can uh, subscribe to us there and uh, feel free to add reviews. You can add reviews and comments to the episodes on Stitcher.com as well. So we're um, excited to have another another outlet. That's terrific. Of course, uh, at I've Got a Beatles on uh, on Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook. Please follow us on Facebook if you hear this. Uh, we like to post uh, some news items and songs of the night and things like that. Uh, Including uh, Ringo's new album, which we just posted about. Are you pretty excited about that? Oh, yeah. Ringo's new album coming out in March. I'm sure we'll have a review f- of it. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, right, right here on this <laughs> podcast. We've got a lot of great episodes coming up. Um, and, um, you know, uh, so... Uh, and and follow us on iTunes. Give us reviews on iTunes. Um, iTunes has been a, a working a little weird for me recently. So uh, let me let us know if you have any problems that are like technical problems. Not that we can necessarily <laughs> fix them, but it might identify something that we could tell somebody about. So so um, um, yeah. and let us know uh, what you think about the uh, Deca auditions. You know, maybe you love them and think they're the best songs in the world. And yeah, you can tell us tell us that and tell us why. And always love to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So we'll we'll go out today with a similar title. There, you, Chris, it, it, you are the love of the loved, aren't you? <laughs> Okay. What does that even mean? Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. we'll go I out with know. the uh, with the full song of. Love of the love. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Each time I look into your eyes, I see that there, there heaven lies. And as I look, I see the love of the love. Someday they'll see that from the start My place has been deep in your heart And in your heart I see love of love Though I've said it all before I will say it more and more Now that I'm really sure you love me And I know that from today I'll see it in the way That you look at me and say Ah, you love me so let it rain, I'll never care Deep in your heart, I'll still be there And when I'm there, I see the love of the love 
See the love of the love 